Gospel lesson this morning is from Matthew chapter 5. We continue to, to hear Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Today he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. If I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Everything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is God's word. The friends of Jesus. There is something that I am really good at doing. Do you know what it is? I am really good at thinking I'm better than other people. I am really good at this. I read the news and I hear about the awful things that people do. And I think to myself, I am so much better than they are. I hear the latest gossip about the messes in the lives of famous people. And I think, I am so much better than they are. I drive to church on a Sunday morning and I notice that there is hardly anybody driving to church on a Sunday morning. And I think to myself, I am so much better than most people are. I have this talent. I am able in my mind to make myself seem better than everybody else. And I bet you can do it too. I bet you have that same talent. I bet even here at church this morning, there's a part of you that's looked around and thought, at least I'm not hurt. Or at least I don't look like him. Or at least my life isn't like theirs. 
Is that true? You know, this attitude that we have, there's a fancy word for it. It's called self-righteousness. Have you ever heard that term before? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is when we make ourselves look really good in our own eyes. It often sounds like this. At least I'm not. I'm not perfect, but at least I don't. Hopefully you can tell that that isn't really a talent. This is a disease that comes to us through our sinful natures. And in Jesus' day, there were some people who were really good at self-righteousness. They were the Pharisees. The Pharisees liked to walk around with their flowing robes and they would look down their noses at everybody and they would look at people and they would say, I'm more righteous than she is. I'm more righteous than he is. At least I'm not like that tax collector or like that prostitute or like that sinful person. When you hear Pharisees described, I, I bet you think to yourself, I know people like that. But that's exactly the thing that Jesus is talking about. It's not about people like that out there. There's a, a Pharisee who lives inside every single one of our hearts. When Jesus preached his Sermon on the Mount, his words were meant to squash every single little bit of self-righteousness that lives in our hearts. I think you could tell as I read these words today, Jesus has some very, very powerful words to us. And they're written for Christians who struggle with self-righteousness. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. We say, amen, murderers are bad, right? There's some of those people that were way better than, right? Murderers should be punished. But then Jesus adds, if I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will answer to the judgment. Even more, I tell you that anyone who says raka is answerable to the court. But anyone who says you fool is in danger of the fire of hell. It's not just about killing someone else. If you are angry with someone, Jesus says you're in danger of the fire of hell. Doesn't that make you say, oh, who is it for you? Whom is it that your heart is angry with today? Who is it that you just can't stand? Who is it that you avoid at all costs? Who is it who whenever you hear their name, the first thought in your mind is that fool? I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'm afraid I have people like that in my heart. And sir, we can smile at them, right? But there's nothing but disgust inside. Except Jesus says, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus can see deep into our hearts. And when Jesus preaches God's law, there is no one left out. He just keeps cutting with God's word. He says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and they remember that someone has something against you, Leave your gift right there at the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. 
So maybe your heart is so pure or it's so proud that you can't think of anybody you're angry with. Then Jesus says, well, who has something against you? Whom in your life have you wronged? Whom in your life have you left in the dust? And we like to pretend that we don't know what Jesus is talking about. Of course we do. To have Jesus bring it up, it brings shame to our hearts. When it comes to sin, there's nobody left out. And Jesus could stop right there, couldn't he? Just with one commandment, Jesus can convict us of our sins against God. But Jesus knows how stubborn our sinful hearts are. He knows how prevalent this self-righteous attitude is among Christians. And so Jesus keeps going. He said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Some of us have committed adultery by having sex outside of marriage. It's adultery. It's a sin against God. But Jesus adds this. Looking at someone lustfully is the same thing. It's the same sin. You don't want to think about that. No, actually, we do want to think about that. We do think about our lust. We just don't want anyone to know that that's what we think about. But Jesus knows. I wonder if that's why the Jewish men in Jesus' day would divorce their wives so quickly. But Jesus put a stop to that. Jesus said marriage is meant to be for life. And yet for those of us who are married today, how quick aren't we to find faults in our spouses? you just wouldn't be so stubborn, life would be so much easier. If she wouldn't be so needy, I could accomplish so many more things with my life. If you would just look at things the way that I do, if she would. Marriage is meant to be a blessing from God, and yet how often don't our closest relationships most clearly show us our sins? When Jesus talks about sin, there is no one left out. I just want Jesus to stop. Right? That's enough. Right? Jesus, we get it. But Jesus doesn't stop. He keeps going. You've said, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oaths. Instead, fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I say, do not swear at all. Let your answer be yes or no. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. Do you keep your promises? Maybe here's just a little test. The last time you told someone that you would pray for them, did you actually pray for them? Did you keep your promises to your kids? To your friends? To your spouse? To God? Is your yes really a yes? But it's all just inside us, right? That's our excuse. It's all this stuff inside of us. Nobody sees it. This can't be a big deal, right? These little sins, they can't be a big deal. Listen to how big a deal every sin is to Jesus. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body 
than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Those are some pretty strong words. I don't think Jesus is really telling us to cut off pieces of our body because if we were to start cutting off every part of our body that led us to sin, what would we be left with? You know, the truth is you can gouge out your eyes and still lust in your mind and in your heart. But you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that we need to deal with the sin in our lives in as dramatic a way as possible. Because if we don't deal with the sin in our lives now, then, then we will suffer for that sin forever in hell. Did you notice how often Jesus talks about hell in these verses? He brings up hell three times. In the Bible, Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else. Do you know why? It's because it's a real place where there are real people suffering. You know, when you hear Jesus talk about sin, you and I better not say, how could God send anyone to hell? No, the opposite is true. When you hear Jesus describe what sin really is, how could we not say, God should send everyone to hell? When I hear Jesus describe sin, how can I not think to myself, I am the one whom God should be angry with. I am the one whom God should divorce and send away. I am the one whom God should lie to. I am the one who should be thrown into the fire of hell. And you are too. When it comes to sin, there is no one left out. Remember that disease that I said we're all infected with through our sinful nature is this self-righteousness? Jesus squashes every bit of self-righteousness that tries to live in our hearts. We're all different from each other. Some of you don't struggle with sexual sins. Some of you don't struggle with your anger. Some of you don't struggle with lying. But all of us struggle with sin. And that means that in God's eyes, no person is better than any other person. There's a verse in the Bible that says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wants to make crystal clear to every single human being that there is no person so good that they don't desperately need Jesus' forgiveness every single day. God's word convicts us of our sin. When it comes to sin, there is no one left out. Not you, not me. Why does Jesus say all this? Why does Jesus cut our hearts like this? Because he wants to send us running back to what we heard about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we started the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember how the Sermon on the Mount starts? Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is no blessing for living a life full of pride and self-righteousness. There's no blessing in that. But Jesus said there is tremendous blessing in realizing how poor in spirit you are. Because then you can see something. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid every last penny. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for every one of your sins. And he died for 
every one of my sins. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he wants to teach us that there is no one so good that they don't need Jesus' forgiveness. But he also wants to teach us that there is no one so sinful that Jesus didn't die to save them. Why Jesus talks about our sins? It's because he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus wants you to hunger and thirst for righteousness, not this fake self-righteousness that comes from yourself. He wants you to search for righteousness in him. There's a verse in the Bible that says, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Righteousness doesn't come from us. Righteousness comes through faith in Jesus. When you were baptized, Jesus clothed you with his righteousness. The only thing greater than our sinfulness is God's grace and God's forgiveness to us in Jesus. This is why God points out all of our lies so that we learn to put our hope in his promises. I really love how Jesus says that you and I are not able to make a single hair of our heads black or white. Isn't that the truth? With as strong and powerful as we think we are, you cannot make a single hair on your head turn a different color. So who should we put our hope in? In Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's true. That's what Jesus has done for you and me. The verse in the Old Testament is Jeremiah chapter 31 where God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with with everlasting kindness. That's true. God never lusts after somebody else. God never thinks about trading you in. God loves you with an everlasting love. God has committed himself to you forever. When it comes to sin, there's no one left out. But when it comes to the grace of God and Jesus, there's no one left out either. That means that that when you're a Christian, you need to leave your self-righteousness at the door. You can take off the costume. You can stop the show. Put on Christ. That means that if you're a Christian, your life is going to be filled with humility. I deserve the fire of hell, and yet Jesus paid it all for me on the cross. I deserve to have God send me away, and yet God has committed himself to me with everlasting love. When you're a Christian, your life is filled with this humility that comes from God's grace. And do you know what humility leads you to do? Forgive. Whomever those people are who've wronged you. Whomever those people are who you're so angry with. Look to Jesus for the power to forgive. You know what Christian humility leads you to do? To repent. Whomever those people are whom you have wronged. Whomever those people are whom you have hurt, go to them and say, 
sorry. You know what Christian humility leads you to do? It leads you to flee from sexual immorality. That's the way that the Bible talks about sexual sin. It tells us to flee from it like you might flee from a burning building. Look to Jesus and his power to control your thoughts and your mind and your body. You know what Christian humility leads to? It leads to treating other people with grace. And if you're married, maybe think especially of your spouse. Marriage is hard. It's hard to love somebody who isn't perfect, who isn't always lovable, but Jesus loves us. So look to Jesus for the power to to work on your marriage and to show your spouse grace. A number of years ago, in a small town newspaper, there was an anonymous column that just showed up in the paper. Anonymous meaning it didn't have any author, it just had a title, a little column. It had the title, I am a Christian. It said something like this. It said, when I say that I am a Christian, I'm not saying that I live a clean life. I'm saying that I was lost and now I've been found and forgiven. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not saying that out of pride. I'm admitting that I've sinned and that I need Jesus to save me. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not boasting about how strong I am. Actually, I'm saying that I am so weak that I need Jesus for everything. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not saying I'm holier than thou. No, I'm admitting that I'm a a simple sinner who has received God's grace. It's not the truth. You're a Christian, you can check your self-righteousness at the door. When it comes to sin, there is no one left out. But when it comes to the grace of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior... There is no one left out, including you. Amen. Say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, you have some hard words for us today. As you preach your Sermon on the Mount, you didn't hold back against the self-righteousness that so often lives in our hearts. As Christians, we can think that we're better than others just because of who we are point out that it's not just our actions and our words, but it's our thoughts and our attitudes that matter. You point out how every one of us, in line with every commandment, has sinned against you in so many ways. And yet, Jesus, you do that so that we stop trusting in ourselves, so that we come to you poor in spirit and we receive your grace. It's not just true that all of us have sinned, it's also true that when you died on the cross, you died for every single one of us. Dear Jesus, Fill our hearts with your grace. Help us to put our hope and our confidence in you. Fill us with the humility that comes from being the saved children of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.